Marion Webb. So Marion, you recently wrote a story about Zimmer Biomet, which received good news from the FDA about their robotic surgery platform. Yes, indeed. So Zimmer Biomet announced on August 18th that the FDA cleared its ROSA hip system for robotically assisted direct anterior total hip replacement. And that comes just a few months after the FDA cleared the ROSA for partial knee replacements in April. So with this latest addition, the ROSA platform is now cleared for total and partial knee replacements, as well as total hip replacement, and also for neurosurgical and spine procedures. So in the orthopedic surgical robotics market, Strykos Mako, which is used for total knee and hip replacements, they've long dominated the market. But with Zimmer Biomet's FDA not now for hip replacement, that will certainly intensify the competition. Okay, and according to Informa's Med Device Tracker report on robotically assisted surgical devices. The market for robotically assisted surgical devices is expected to see significant growth. What can you tell us about the drivers of that growth? According to a recent report, which was put out by Informar's Med Device Tracker, the market for robotically assisted surgical devices is expected to reach $11.5 billion by 2025, and that's up from $5.6 billion in 2020. And several major medtech companies are developing surgical robots with more and more emphasis also on the digital side, such so as using apps, for instance, to monitor patients' rehabilitation post-surgery, and that is key to avoid readmission to hospitals, also to minimize doctor visits. And that's in addition to rising use of digital tools also preoperatively and inoperatively. So I talked about the use of digital tools and remote monitoring in my Market Intel series on the future of surgery as well. Companies are becoming more innovative, developing surgical robots that are smaller so they can be used in outpatient centers and are modular. And among those robots are Johnson & Johnson's debut synthesis Valis Robotic Assisted Solution, which received FDA clearance in January. Smith & Nephew also launched a surgical robot. That's the handheld Cori surgical system for total and unicompartmental knee arthroplasty last summer. And a smaller UK-based company called CMR Surgical. They also already market its modular Versius system in Europe, India, and the Middle East and Australia, and they're now awaiting FDA clearance. So with all these different systems, that'll definitely intensify competition in that space. Yeah, there is definitely a lot going on there, and I know you're going to be following this closely. Yes, Reed, and I'm also looking forward to attending the upcoming American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons Conference here in my hometown in San Diego at the end of this month. This will be my first live conference since 2019, and I'm really excited to listen to the presentations, meet with company executives, and just cover the news overall. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. I'm glad you'll be able to go to that. Thanks, Reed. Now over to you. So you covered another noteworthy FDA approval this week for Abbott. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's right. So this week, the FDA announced that it has approved Abbott's pre-market approval application for the Amplaster Amulet, which is a device that prevents thrombus embolization in, patient, in patients with non-valvular atrial fibrillation by closing off the left atrial appendage. Now, the company plans to launch that device in the U.S. in the next few weeks. So just to give a little background, atrial fibrillation increases the patient's risk of stroke because 
it can cause the formation of thrombus emboli or the blood clots within that left atrial appendage space. And the risk of clotting can be minimized with anticoagulant drugs, but those medications increase the risk of bleeding. So a lot of people with atrial fibrillation want another option, so they, they choose to close or occlude the left atrial appendage. Now, right now in the U.S., the only device available like that is Boston Scientific's Watchman FLX. Now, that's the second generation version of Watchman, but I think they've converted everybody to that. So that's the only one they've got. That's been a huge hit for Boston Scientific uh, since they launched the first version about six years ago. And it's been one of their, their bright spots even during the pandemic. And so that really shows what a strong market there is for this kind of technology. Now, Abbott's been working on getting their device on the market for a very long time. The Amplatzer amulet is one of the things they got when they when they merged with St. Jude. And it's already been very successful in Europe. In fact, according to the company, the Amplatzer amulet has 50% of the European market for left atrial appendage closure. And that makes it the leader. But it's taken it a very long time to get into the U.S. at all. And what took so long? First, I can tell it took a long time to, to get here because it took them a long time to complete their big... IDE trial called the Amulet IDE trial. And that compares Amulet directly against Watchmen. Because once Watchmen was approved in the US in 2015, it no longer really made sense for Abbott to run a trial that just compared Amulet to anticoagulation drugs. Because those people, by definition, are people who don't want to take those drugs. And so once they already had another option, the only way to run a trial was to compare it against this you know, standard of care that was already out there. But when you're comparing one device against another that does more or less the same thing, that's obviously going to require a very big trial to show non-inferiority. So it had to be a, a big trial, and it's just taken them that long to get it done. It's taken about five years to get that trial done. So did it actually show non-inferiority? Well, that's a great question, because oddly, we actually don't really know yet. The data from Amulet IDE has not been published yet. And it's very uncommon for the FDA to approve a device like this before the trial is even published and anybody even knows the results. But the company and the investigators of the trial agreed they wanted to make a bigger splash with the data. So they're holding on to it and it won't be public until the European Society of Cardiology meeting later this month. But because it did get approved by the FDA, I think it's safe to assume that the trial met its primary endpoint, although we don't know for sure. And the primary endpoint was the number of strokes plus the number of embolisms within 18 months of getting the device. Some analysts think that Amulet could actually beat Watchmen in some other secondary endpoints. In particular, Abbott's labeling allows them to claim that patients treated with that device do not need to be on anticoagulants at all right after the procedure. With Watchmen, the patients are supposed to be on anticoagulants for a little while after they get the device because it needs time to heal. But Abbott claims that they're device doesn't need that. So if Abbott can show that that difference makes a difference in the total number of bleeding events these people have, now that would be a huge advantage for Amulet. Um, and I think they're confident that, that they're going to be able to show that because like I said, they're doing very well in Europe, but we'll just have to see and we won't know until the end of the month. Interesting. Thanks for that, Reed. You can read about these topics and a lot more right now at medtechinsight.com. Right now, we have a lot of news about investments in up-and-coming medtech companies like the recent financing for Mahana, a digital therapeutic company, and Hagar, which is creating a non-invasive glucose monitoring watch. We have a piece about how Philip Morris, a notorious cigarette maker, is acquiring Vectura, a company that sells inhaled drug therapies like asthma inhalers. That story is getting a lot of attention. 
We also have a lot of regulatory and legal news from the industry. For example, Boston Scientific recently prevailed in a legal dispute about whether or not it concealed important safety data. And of course, we have all the latest news from Europe as the industry adjusts to the new MDR. The archive of Device Week and the rest of Informa Pharma Intelligence podcasts are available on the Informa Pharma Intelligence channel on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spotify Podcasts, and via smart speakers. If one of these platforms has been set up as your default podcast provider, you can follow us on Twitter at medtech underscore insight. I'm medtech Marion, M-A-R-I-O-N, and read is at medtechread with two E's. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week.